Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to spend some minutes searching the Scriptures, investigating the Scriptures with us as we continue to probe Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. I wonder if you realize that Jesus was a Jew and his Bible teaching, his theology, his way of salvation is indebted to his Jewish roots. The roots of the faith of Jesus are found in the Hebrew Bible, what we really mistakenly call the Old Testament, that 77% of our Bible, which is foundational to the teaching of Jesus. Now, I don't mean by that that Jesus simply urges us to keep the laws of Moses. There are some who think that because Jesus was a Jew, that we should be copying Sabbath-keeping, for example, resting on Saturday. There are some who actually believe that unless we pronounce the name of God correctly, or that we call Jesus Yeshua by his Hebrew name, we're really falling short of salvation. Now, such is to miss the point of the New Testament almost entirely. It's not the laws of Moses that are binding on Christians. The very opposite is true. Paul tells us that there is a new system in force under the teaching of Jesus. The law of Jesus certainly, but not the law of Moses. However, there is a sense in which Christians should be deeply rooted in the Hebrew Bible. And that has to do with the covenant made with Abraham. Paul went to a great deal of trouble in Galatians chapter 3 to explain that the covenant made with Abraham and the sort of faith that Abraham had is the typical model of Christian faith. It's a model that we Christians should be following because Abraham, as Paul said, is the father of the faithful. And in Romans 4 he said that we should be following in the steps of our father Abraham. Abraham, you see, was a prototype Christian believer. He believed in Christ long before Christ even came. Jesus said in John 8:56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. In other words, Abraham looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. He believed in the coming Messiah long before the birth of the Messiah. In fact, some 2,000 years before the appearance of Jesus who was conceived and begotten as the Son of God in the womb of Mary, Luke 1, verse 35. And so the Jewishness of Jesus that we've been stressing in these programs amounts to the fact that Jesus quoted the famous creed of Israel, that the Lord God of Abraham was one Lord, not multiple lords, not more than one Lord, but a single Lord. That's the God whom Jesus worshipped, Mark 12, verses 28 and following. And secondly, the Jewishness of Jesus means that his teaching, indeed his gospel about the kingdom of God, is rooted in God's contract or covenant made with Abraham. The law of Moses, as Paul explains in Galatians 3, was a kind of interim arrangement, not binding on us today. However, the contract made with Abraham, which preceded the law of Moses, is very much at the heart of the Christian faith. What then was that contract that God arranged with the patriarch, the father of the Christian faithful? Well, we'll look in Genesis 12 to find the roots of that foundational teaching which lies at the bottom of Jesus' own gospel about the kingdom. Remember always in your studies that the gospel had been preached to Abraham in advance. 
Galatians 3, verse 8. Bear in mind always in your studies, in your examination of Christianity, that, as one leading author wrote recently, too often Christian writers have neglected Jesus' essential Jewishness, and this is one deficiency that needs to be rectified in our time. And so, in order to establish the Jewishness of Jesus, and to enable us, therefore, to make a good relationship with the living, risen Jesus now, let's go back to those foundational texts which describe for us God's historic contract or covenant, which he brought into force between himself and the patriarch, the father of the Christian faithful, in Genesis chapter 12. And I do mean that, by the way. Abraham is the father, not only of the Jewish people, but also of the Christian faithful. Romans 4 verse 11 says it beautifully. Abraham, Paul said, was to be the father of all who believe, of all who are Christians, that is. It's essential, therefore, for us to be intelligent Christians that we understand the arrangements made between God and the father of the faithful, beginning in Genesis chapter 12. Let me read you now the account of God's dealings with Abraham. Genesis 12 verse 1. Now God said to Abraham, Leave your country, your kindred, and your father's house for a country, or a land, which I am going to show you, and I am going to make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name famous, and you are to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all clans and nations on earth will bless themselves by you. So Abraham went as God had told him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was seventy-five years old when he left Haran. Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had amassed, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set off for the land of Canaan and arrived there. I wonder if you know that in those beautiful verses, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, we have an encapsulation of what it means to be a Christian. Abraham was willing to give up those things which are closest and dearest to his heart, his family, his country, his immediate relatives even, and to depart simply based on faith, to depart to a land, a country, which God was going to show him. Now in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, we read that Abraham passed through the country as far as the holy place at Shechem, the oak of Moreh. And the Canaanites were in the country at that time. And God appeared to Abraham and said, I am going to give this country to your progeny. Now, what can we learn from this magnificent example of Abraham, the father of the faithful? Well, obviously, he was willing to cut ties with all those things which are nearest and dearest to our hearts. He went with his childless wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, and he departed simply on the basis of God's word. Abraham was willing to take God at his word. He believed with absolute confidence in the promise made to him that God would show him a land and that he would bless him and that every nation on earth would eventually be blessed through Abraham. What a wonderful basis for the Christian faith we have here. And we must be careful not to miss the application to ourselves. Many of us, it seems, are still strongly tied 
to our affiliation with the nation in which we're born. But Abraham, you see, was willing to give up those spiritual ties. He no longer held a passport in Ur of the Chaldees in Babylon. He gave up that passport and gained a new one. He was, in other words, born again. He became a citizen of a new country, the country that God promised to show him and the country which God promised one day to give him forever. Have you, in fact, cut ties with your natural nation, or are you still waving the flag of the nation in which you were born? Do you realize that to be born again, which is an essential for salvation, one must take on a new nature, a new citizenship. One must, in fact, acquire a new identity in Christ. And in so doing, one is following in the steps of our father Abraham, to use Paul's words. And so Abraham was willing to give up those things which were precious to him and to go in faith, looking forward to the land which God had promised to show him. I want you to notice that the basis of God's promise was the gift of land. God promised to give over to Abraham, to make over to Abraham the land of Canaan, and it was a promise of the land in perpetuity. Turn, if you will, to Genesis 13 and verse 14. God said to Abraham, after Lot had parted company from him, Look all around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west, for all the land within sight. I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants like the dust on the ground. When people succeed in counting the specks of dust on the ground, then they'll be able to count your descendants too. On your feet, travel the length and breadth of the country, Abraham. I mean to give it to you. Genesis chapter 13, verses 13 to 17. And in Genesis 15, verse 6, we learn that Abraham, in believing God's magnificent promises, was in fact putting his faith in God. And this was reckoned to him as uprightness or righteousness, as it will indeed be reckoned to you as a Christian believer as you follow in the steps of our father Abraham and subscribe to the same promise of the land made to Abraham. I'm going to be showing you later how this land promise is in no way diminished in the Christian faith. In fact, it's confirmed reaffirmed by Christ, and the land promise remains your hope as a Christian just as much as it was the hope of Abraham, the father of the faithful. Now, God repeated this famous land promise, the gift of land to Abraham, on numerous occasions. But in Genesis 15, verse 17, God made the land promise the subject of the great covenant which he established between himself and the father of the faithful. When the sun had set and it was dark, we read in verse 17 of Genesis 15, there appeared a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passing between the animal pieces. We read here of a contract ceremony made between God and Abraham. And that day Yahweh made a covenant, the God of Israel, that is, made a covenant with Abraham in these terms. To your descendants I'm going to give this country from the river of Egypt the Nile, to the great river Euphrates. And so you see, the basis of true Christian faith is laid in this 
prototype faith of Abraham, the father of the faithful. And what Abraham did so well was simply to say yes to God's great promise. God's plan to give him the land forever was something which Abraham embraced with simplicity and integrity. He believed the word of God, the promise of God, and that was the basis of the blessing which would come to him and indeed come to all those who subscribe to this same faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. I like this footnote in the Standard Bible, which says that the faith of Abraham is an act of trust in a promise which, humanly speaking, could never be realized. God acknowledges this act of faith as being worthy of reward. And accordingly, Abraham is said to be upright or righteous based on his faith. And that faith was simply his integrity and his humble submission to God's promise, God's word. This is what is pleasing to God. And that's what's pleasing to God to this day, that we believe in the great covenant promises which he so graciously gives us. And the Christian faith is indeed the fulfillment of that gracious covenant promise established long ago with Abraham. We've only had time briefly to touch the beginning of our story, but we'll continue in subsequent programs to develop the faith of Abraham and to show how it lies at the basis of true New Testament Christianity. Request from us a free article on the faith of Abraham, a book on the kingdom of God, and join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.